Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle, senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Dude, we're getting so close. It's like less than two weeks away. Like we're right on the cusp of getting to the NFL draft. We've got a great show going through some of the deep, uh, deep stuff, deep players that we haven't really got a chance to talk about. How are we doing today, man? We're doing good. We're, I, well, I'm anyways, extremely tired today. I haven't been sleeping well and everything. So I had a couple weeks where I wasn't as tired, but we're back at it. But I mean, it's been nose to the grindstone trying to make sure everything gets taken care of. Mm-hmm. And just, we we're talking, what reason why we were late is I was sitting there and talking to Lance about how many scouting reports we've gotten up. And it's almost a hundred different articles covering 380 different prospects. We have 205, no, 215, sorry, different reports up on players. They're all, they're mostly all in group things, groups of five or groups or in pairs. We're at 215 out of 380. So just making sure that's all going through, getting my own articles done, making sure Lance's get taken care of, edited and published and, all tweeting out, out and everything, and then getting everything set up with Chad behind the scenes for what we're doing with the draft show coming up, where we're going to be live all three nights, and just getting that all taken care of and hammered out. It's just, it's been a a, a long process, and the last stretch is always the most exhausting for me. Yeah, it, first things first, guys, I want to thank everybody in the chat tonight and everybody that... Um, that follows us on Twitter and and checks out all of our scouting reports. We put a lot of work in this. Eric is just amazing with the work that he's done, helping me getting my stuff put up, all the stuff that he's been able to do and everything. So first things first, shout out to Eric and everything. But if it wasn't for you guys, we couldn't do this the way that we do it. And Eric has a full-time job doing stuff like this. And because it's because of your guys' support and you guys coming and checking out what we do. And we really, really appreciate each and every single one of you guys. Um, today, though, before we get into it, first things first, um, 
the big, the big overall arching topic here, obviously the Broncos don't have a, um, a first or second round pick. We all, we all already know that pick 67, 68 is around where the Broncos are going to be picking to start the, their, uh, 2023 NFL draft class. The big thing here, we've always talked about the guys that are around the, you know, the third, fourth, and fifth round range. Today, Eric, I want you to kind of explain what we've got going on here because we're going to go deep. We're going to get into some guys that are not really the like the most well-known guys. And Eric is obviously our senior NFL draft analyst. He's the guy that really does the hard work into, into diving into prospects 250 to 380. So Eric's really going to get an opportunity to shine here. What do we got going on, man? So this was actually an idea that I've had for a couple years now trying to do a show, but just figuring out the best way to do it has always been a bit rough because it's a broad topic. I mean, we're talking about it's essentially the good, the bad, and the ugly when it with scheme fits. Like that's such a broad topic. Well, we've talked about a lot of prospects now over the last few weeks with the Woods Rather, with the mock draft that we did, which looks like we'll be doing another mock draft next week. We won't be doing trades in that one. And a good friend of the show is going to be joining us for that. But anyways, so getting into scheme fits. And I think that this year is a good year to do it because with only five draft picks, and especially with where they are in that after the third round, you really, the Broncos really have to focus on finding guys that fit what they want to do. They can't take a whole lot of risk with guys that they don't, because they have a lot of depth issues all over this roster. There's still a couple positions where they're still missing a starter or they need competition for a starting job with somebody that they have on the roster. So they, they need a lot. So focusing in on the scheme fit, I think, is a must this year. Obviously, there goes more to it. It's not just scheme fit, of course. but And so the good, the bad, the ugly, we're adding the great in there. And basically what it is is there were three categories that I have that determine where it is. If you match all three of them for the scheme, you're a great – or for, for the fit, you're a great fit. And those three categories are the scheme, the personnel – and the archetype. So just because, say, a team needs to help at wide receiver, it may not be a big body receiver that they need. Like the Broncos, they don't need a guy who's six foot three, 220 pounds. They need an explosive playmaker. So is the guy a receiver? Can he fit in the scheme? Is he the archetype that they need? So those are the three categories for it. Um, the ugly fits don't fit any of them. Bad, you only fit one. Good, you fit two out of three. And the great fits obviously fit all three of them. Yeah, it's going to be a great show, man. It, like I'm super excited to, to do this with you because I, I've been struggling. There's been some of the articles that I put out there that I know that I'm I'm not the best with the scheme fits. I understand what the Broncos are looking for, and I I can kind of project the players that we're looking at and put them into the scheme in the way that I the way that I envision them to fit and kind of project a little bit of their skill set to to make it work for the most part. With you here, you you do a great job of understanding pretty much everything. So we're going to learn a lot today, guys. Uh, before we get into any of that, though, first things first, got to say hello to everybody in the chat. Ernie May is jumping in here. Hello, Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos country only. Only Elway, the, the greatest champion forever. Yeah, and that was that was a sad day uh, the other day when we all learned that John Elway is officially stepping away from the Broncos. His contract was expired um, earlier in March. His office is all cleaned out and whatnot. I uh, want to give a shout out to number seven, uh, the greatest Bronco that we've ever seen. Um, literally, he is the embodiment of Denver Broncos, blue and orange, and every but everything that this Broncos, uh, this franchise has, literally flows through him. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here as well. Good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and buck them. What's up, Mike? Thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate and that. 
just a quick shout out scott is not with us tonight he's currently out of town so safe travels to scott and hopefully we'll have him back next week yeah absolutely and like like eric said safe travels to scott and hopefully we have him next week to help us out here so if you guys got any uh facebook stars we can't see them right now so we're gonna pull as many facebook comments as we possibly can just to make sure that we have you know if anybody has some stars out there, we want to make sure that they're not going to be left out in the cold. Super Chats, guys, if you guys got any questions, please, uh, any players that you're curious on, throw them out to us. You get uh, Drop a Super Chat. We'll get it pulled up for sure. Uh, any questions we possibly can. We're going to go through a lot of different players today. So shout out to everybody. Uh, Barry in the house. We've got Nat Noble in here as well. We've got Jess Hillborn, uh, Paul um let's see mike s dave youngkin what's going on guys thank you all for joining us and tonight we definitely appreciate you here on a wonderful friday i just gotta say how dare you just skip over the important comment of paul's of the boo iowa <laughs> so yes i hope yes. paul i hope i hope anytime that nick is on you bring that boo iowa to him but i uh, but on a serious note it was a little uh, quick side chat here outside of football I was a little disappointed with the women's championship game and everything. I didn't watch it live, but I caught everything over it, and I was a little disappointed. I was actually rooting for Iowa for a change. Just don't tell Nick that. Yeah, I, I was rooting for Iowa. I did actually tell Nick that, and uh, Carl was like, no, I can't do it. Carl, yeah. Carl was like, I can't, I can't do it. This is the one time I'm probably rooting against Iowa. So <laughs> congratulations to the Louisiana State University Lady Tigers on winning the uh, women's college basketball national championship. Except the also, coach. Yeah, that was that was weird. And then um, also to UConn as well. Anyways, guys, let's get into this. The the meat of this this argument. Um, we got a question here. Can we get a Banacanda at sixty eight, Eric? This is from Sunny Days. Uh, so welcome to the show. First off, uh, first time I've seen your name in here. Uh, talking about Israel Abanacanda, the running back from Pittsburgh, here at uh, number sixty eight overall. Is that a potential fit for the Broncos? I mean, he's not a bad fit. He's not a. I don't want to say he's a great fit either. Um, I like him. I like what I saw. I have a scouting report up on him that you can go check out that can go into a much deeper explanation as about the fit and everything than, or not necessarily much deeper, but probably a more clear explanation anyways. I like him, but I think at 68, if you want to take a running back, it needs to be somebody who is a great fit. And as much as I like him, he's just not a great fit for the Broncos. I, I don't disagree with you on that one. There's also a running back I like a lot better than Israel Abanacanda that has a lot of this similar, like a, a very similar skill set with more explosiveness in his play. And that's Ty J. Spears, the running back from Tulane. Uh, he's a better receiver. He's not quite as good in pass protection, but he's at least serviceable. And he's got that explosiveness in his lower half, the, the, the lower body contact. So if you're looking at running back at 68, Ty J. Spears is the way I would go. But I would be fine with Israel Abanacanda, especially in the fourth round. But if you can get him, in, if he drops to the fifth round, like that's I'm sprinting to the podium to go and get him. Um, let's see here, Eric. We You gave me a list. And there's a lot of players on this list that I'm not necessarily very familiar with. Like I said, you do all the work from 250 to 380, and it's hard to keep caught up with everything. But we're going to go and order the biggest needs on this team. And I think that arguably the biggest need on this team right now is at the edge position. 
Um, you have Randy Gregory, who has injury concerns. Baron Browning, who has injury concerns. Nick Bedino has really struggled as a run defender uh, coming into the NFL. And obviously, as a rookie, you're going to have some struggles there. Uh, Jonathan Cooper is very inconsistent. So you got to find a guy that has some ass on the backside that he can actually stand up and develop a solid edge in the running game. And the first the first guy I want to talk about here is Kansas State edge rusher Felix Anudike Uzama, who I really like the way that he plays with power the way that he plays with length and you have him listed as a great fit why is that before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So the biggest thing as we're talking about it, the need there at the edge position, it's obvious. Like they need somebody. They have injury concerns. The depth is questionable. What are we going to get out of Nick Benito? Um, so there's an obvious need there. So he fits the need that they have. He's a great player. He's talented. He's long. He's physical. He can bring it as a pass rusher. He can, I mean, there's obviously development that's needed. He can, he's solid at setting the edge. Edge. You need somebody who can try to be the guy opposite um, Randy Gregory full time because I don't think Baron Browning is there yet. Like, no. I still think he could potentially be. I think Baron Browning is more of a guy that you're going to sit here and have as a rotational piece. That third guy rotates in and eventually replace Randy Gregory, possibly after this year. So he fits the need. He fits the archetype that you're looking for. And I think, and he also fits the value of it and he fits the scheme being able to move around and great, get, have, have some creative creativity with how you use them. I mean, that's something that Vance Joseph likes to do on the defensive front, move guys around a little bit. He, he just fits every single thing that for the criteria that I had. And then some, I almost took him off and put Zach Harrison. But one thing I did try to do that is worth mentioning is having prospects that we haven't talked about a lot on here. Zach Harrison, we talked about a lot last week. Um, We've talked about him a lot over multiple shows. So I I like Felix a lot. Obviously, Zach Harrison would be my choice. But if Zach Harrison's not there and Felix is there, I think that you're getting a very similar style player that just may not have as much upside as Zach Harrison. Right. And I guess one of the big things with with Vance Joseph and his defensive scheme, he likes to run a lot of backside seven techniques, guys that play on the inside shoulder of the tight end that uh, at the outside shoulder of the tackle somewhere around in that area that they play with their hand in the dirt and they can go one on one against a tackle on the backside and really set that backside edge really firmly. And Felix Anadike Azama is a great fit on that. Randy Gregory is going to be playing the wide nine on the on the strong side of the formation, probably standing next to Zach Allen, who's going to play the five technique head up against the offensive tackle. So this backside edge need is huge. You've got to have that guy that can play with length and strength and sit with power and really hold on the edge. And Felix really does that really well. And real quick, just a couple comments since we're on this. 
Um, Chase Wilner says, would Benito be even a late second round pick in this class? No, I don't think he'd no. be a day. I don't think he'd go on day two. I think he'd be, be day three in this class. Like there, I probably have about 10 at least edge defenders that are graded higher than he is. And I know at least one of them I have as an early fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil McLaughlin comes in. Evening, Lance and Eric. Just wondering if there'll be a center available at 67 or 68. Go Broncos. Hashtag Buckham. I definitely think there's a possibility. There's been some, you know, in media anyways, about Joe Tipman potentially falling there. Mike Kliz and his uh, mystery mocker, he had Joe Tipman as an option. Mm-hmm. It would be an interesting fit. I mean, it, it, he fits what he wa- what the Broncos want to do quite a bit, yeah. but his height may be a detriment to the pass the game a little bit at standing at over six foot six. Um, but if not, then Luke Whipler, I think, is right there. Old Watemi is an option a little bit later. So they, there's some options. Not a great center class, but again, there are some options. Chris Chances comes in with the $2 donation saying, Eric and Lance still best in the business. Thank you. We appreciate that, and we appreciate your support. And last one is Facebook user can't tell who you are. If it's the one who made the Chris Rodriguez, Jody, um, appreciate you, but Chris Rodriguez is bad. Um, it says, don't forget Christopher Allen. Um, not forgetting Christopher Allen. It's just a thing of, at this point, he's just nothing but potential that can't stay on the field. Injury yeah. concerns with Aaron Browning. Injury concerns with Randy Gregory. There's injury concerns with Christopher Allen as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the injury concerns is the big thing. You also, he's raw. Like, he's more athlete than football player coming out of Alabama. And he's spent this last season, a, a lot of it on, I believe, injured reserve. And if, if not, it was on the practice squad. Like, he's, he's, there's the injury concerns is the biggest thing with him. You got to get healthy and you got to have players that can actually be available. And thank you all for joining us. We definitely appreciate that. And Chris, first time I'm seeing your name. So thank you for joining us. We definitely appreciate that, man. Um, continuing on with this edge class, let's see here. Another guy that you have as a, a good fit is a, a player I'm not necessarily super familiar with other than my exposure to him watching the combine where he was playing in linebacker drills and he looked completely out of position. This is an edge, edge defender from Kansas named Lonnie Phelps. Eric, uh, like I said, I haven't seen him yet. So go ahead and educate us on why Lonnie Phelps in your mind is a good fit for the Broncos defense. Well, Lonnie Phelps did both. He did the edge drills and he did linebacker. I think he was just placed with the linebackers overall, but they did a lot of, double drills um monty phelps is a guy who i think that he's seven technique um i think he's a little bit better with his hand in the dirt uh, out of a three-point stance than a two-point stance i think that he brings just a little bit more explosion and he it, it enables him to get a little bit uh, uh get leverage a little bit easier coming up and out instead of coming straight across so that that's where it's not why it's not a great fit i just think that vince joseph he likes those seven techniques, those edges to be out of a out of a two point stance. Lonnie Phelps doesn't fit that, but he fits the need of an edge rusher. He fits the need of the R type. He's got decent power to him, not great. He's a little bit more of, um, I don't want to say an athlete because he's not overly athletic, but he's more of a guy uh, that's just you're, you're good. He's going to try to make blockers block his ghost a little bit um, and just be off to the side. He had a really good senior bowl. Really caught my eye there. Um, I really like him. So good fit, not a great fit again because of the whole the scheme fit there. Not ideal with the three point stance versus the two point stance, but everything else, like he checks the he checks the boxes. 
Okay. So, so where would you be interested in, uh, like, potentially take it? Like, what what round value do you have on on Lonnie Phillips right now? Is that you're talking, you know, late day three, uh, round five, round six, something like that? I think that, I mean, it depends on what the Broncos do, obviously, with trading down and everything. But late round four, early round five is kind of where I have his value. I think he has an early round five grade for me overall. Okay. But of course, with all things like how, what's that range that you're willing to, you know, reach for a player a little bit depending on where you're at in the later fourth round that would be a guy that i'd be that to me is worth a little bit of a reach on okay uh so to finish out the edge to uh the edge defender class the, the guys that you gave me anyways um we got jose ramirez from eastern michigan you have listed as a bad fit and then caleb murphy is an ugly fit from ferris state uh where do these guys like briefly on them what, what do these guys look like what are, what are we talking about here and where i mean are we talking undrafted free agent guys or like shot in the dark you know take a flyer in the seventh round what do we, what do these guys look like so i mentioned that fourth round guy that i have graded higher than nick benito that's jose ramirez mm-hmm. he is a more consistent athlete than um, Nick Benito is when it comes to using his athleticism on the field, but he's a, he's a bad fit for me because he has an issue against the run. He's more of what the Broncos already have. He fits the scheme well, but it's not the archetype or the personnel fit that you're looking for um, at the edge room. And then with Caleb Murphy, he's a guy that I think is an, I have graded as an undrafted free agent. There's potential with him. He didn't test mm-hmm. out super well with his athleticism. Um, he had a serious issue at the Shrine Week when it comes to with the jumping competition coming out of Ferris State. He struggled getting off tight end blocks as a pass rusher even. So he's a guy, he's an ugly fit because I think the Broncos need somebody to help raise the floor at the very least right away, if mm-hmm. not raising the ceiling. And while he raises the ceiling, I think Caleb Murphy at best, you're looking to stash him on the practice squad for at least one year, preferably two while you sit there and try to develop the tools and traits that he has. Right. It, it, he was a little bit thinner in the upper body, too, if I remember. Watching him at the Combine, like super thin in the upper body, doesn't play with a lot of power. I've seen a little bit of him, but I'm not super familiar with him. So uh, it, it, am I right on that? Like he, it, he also lacks a little bit of length, too. I think he was only 32-and-a-half-inch yeah. arms. So, that, that's, uh, that's a- so yeah, like, so an undrafted guy um, – Super explosive in the lower half, though. I really like the way that he moved. Um, and Pearl Heater jumping in here saying, will they keep Nick Benito? Absolutely. That, like, yeah. Nick Benito is not going anywhere. And there's there's no question he belongs on an NFL roster. I'm going to go back to the conversation about the top 10, or like 10 guys that you have this season that were better than Nick Benito. He wouldn't be a, a, fourth, a, a day two player. I didn't have him as a day two player last year. I, I thought the issues in his in his run defense were enough to drop him down to like the the lower fourth or fifth round. Like I thought the Broncos when they took Nick Benito was like that's that's crazy to me. I would have rather taken D'Angelo Henderson who or Henderson no D'Angelo Malone excuse me um, the kid from Western Kentucky who while you have the uh, the same issues in run defense you don't have to take him in the second round which is where everybody thought Nick Benito was going to go. So. I like Nick Benito. I think there's a lot of upside there as a pass rusher. He really has to show growth as a run defender this season. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. 
qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Let's switch gears here. Real quick. Go ahead. ahead, Real quick, Clayton. Um, You came in just a little bit late, just before you posted this comment a little bit beforehand. Um, We just got done talking about Joe Tittman and Luke Whipler. I'd be fine with either mm-hmm. one of them. I think Joe Tittman mm-hmm. is a better fit. I think Luke Whippler is a more better fit in a zone scheme. I think he's got mm-hmm. enough power to work. Um, so I would like either one of them in that third round. Um, I, I think they're both good prospects. I, I don't I don't disagree with you on that. And I, just quickly on Whippler, and we're going to come right back to Clayton here because he's talking about cornerbacks. Um, with, with Whippler, I think that there's some bulk issues with him. I think he needs to to add a little bit of mass, especially in the upper half. He's got great movement skills. He can get out in front and, and work in zone. But I think that there's a tenacity with his game and his hand placement is nice, especially coming after snapping the football, getting your hands back up and getting into the chest plate. He does a good job in, in terms of that. Add some mass to him and, and get him moving vertically. I think that you can turn him into a really good power runner. I'm projecting there a little bit, but I think that that's the biggest need that you have with him. Uh, Clayton, jumping back in, says that we need a solid cornerback right away. Let's jump into that really fast, Eric. You and I have talked a little bit about a couple of guys that you have in this list, and Tyreek Stevenson and Keetrell Clark. We talked about those guys, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, um, got into a little bit uh heated discussion about that but the the guy that you have out of northwestern as your great fit at the cornerback position is cameron mitchell another player i haven't really seen a lot of i'm i'm familiar with him but i want you to describe why is he a great fit for this broncos defense well so the big thing is there's some questions about what what coverage scheme is going to be the mainstay for the broncos while arizona vance joseph was heavy in man but before that, when he was the head coach of the Broncos, it was a lot of zone. That's where he, that's where he made a living out of zone. Even when he was a defensive coordinator for the Dolphins, it was zone. When he worked as a defensive backs coach with the Cincinnati Bengals, it was predominantly zone. Mm-hmm. Cameron Mitchell, it doesn't matter. He's got enough traits to work in either, either scheme and do well. He's got enough to come in and compete with Damari Mathis right away for the starting job. He's got versatility to play on the boundary or play inside. Um, so that way, I mean, if Quad Williams, who's never played a full season, goes down with an injury, knock on wood that he doesn't, you have a, you have a backup option right there as well, besides just having to turn to his song bossy. So you have a lot of options with him with what you can do. He brings the versatility. Obviously, he's a scheme fit for it. He fits with what the Broncos need. He fits with the archetype that they need. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, as a thing, I mean, when you're looking for it, the three criteria, he fits every single one of them for the Broncos. The question is, is will they value him? To where I think he goes, or with where I value him, even because I have him as a third round player, um, mid late third round, possibly early fourth, depending on if he falls a little bit with this with this cornerback class. Mm-hmm. Um, but with five picks, obviously, currently the Broncos have to maximize the value of the picks. Um, so it's just, well, they value him the same way I do. The value that I've gathered with him seems to be more of that mid mid fourth round range, though. Okay. Okay, I was I was just about to ask that. Um, 
not to really spoil the show, but next week we got a, a, a great friend of the show. Uh, Y'all know and love him. He's come on multiple different times. Has a lot of experience with defensive backs as a coach. Um, and he is going to come on and help really kind of dive through this Vance Joseph coverage scheme. So really pay attention. Next week is going to be an absolutely blast of a show. I'm with you, though. It, like you, you watched him a lot in cover three, th- talking about Vance Joseph. Run a lot of cover three, um, a lot of uh, two-man stuff that you saw with him uh, back in his time in, in Cincinnati and his time in Miami, uh, mostly predicated cover three, cover one. When he was in Arizona, it was a lot of cover two, cover four. There was a lot of cover two man and stuff like that. Press man coverage, specifically on later downs in, in the drive. Um, third third and short, third and long situations where you need to have that first down. He really likes his cornerbacks to be physical. So I'm going to move on to the next guy that I want to talk about. It's a guy that I kind of pounded the table for the other day when we did our mock draft. And Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. We're talking a super long guy, athletic. He doesn't have great change of direction ability in terms of playing in off coverage. So the off zone stuff that Vance Joseph does that likes to run there doesn't necessarily make sense to me. But in terms of press man, this dude is phenomenal. Eric, you have him listed as a good fit. Am I correct in my assessment here? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's a good fit. He's got the length. He doesn't bring as much versatility to it, which is part of the reason why I do have him as only a good fit, not a great fit as well as there are times where he can be a little over-aggressive as a player. Um, and the Broncos, who are the most penalized team last year, obviously you want to cut back on that a little bit. Um, so just that together, just drop them down a little bit. I have him as a fourth-round grade. I think he would be a good pairing with Patrick Sertan if you're able to develop him a little bit. And if Vance Joseph is going into a heavy man scheme where he's going to play cover one and blitz on third down consistently and have your have his corners pressed to just buy a little extra time. Tyreek Stevenson's a great fit for that. Outside of that is where, again, it just becomes a little bit choppy. Um, and I do question how much he has to, he brings to compete for a starting job right away. I think that he can be a fine third option or fourth option in this case, third option on the boundary, best way to put okay. it. For a year, will you sit there and try to develop him and then potentially look at a starting job next year? But the question is, uh, for the Broncos, if Damari Mathis develops like they hope and he's able to cement that that starting job, well, that's great. But you just used one of your five picks that you have for a guy who's just a depth piece now. Um, So that also played a factor into only being a good fit for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I don't think that he has slot versatility either he's no, a boundary no, only cornerback no. like like he with the with the lack of change of direction ability that Tyreek Stevenson has he's playing on the boundary only and you're really looking for him to turn and run run the rails specifically in in press man and in off if you can get him in off cover three where he doesn't have to change direction and move back towards the middle of the field that's his best fit moving forward so to me I understand exactly where you're coming from with that so um it, great great analysis there Michael Ronquillo jumping in here again saying, Eric, I read your draft article about five running backs in the 2023 NFL draft. The Broncos could target in the NFL draft. Uh, Michael, which one? <laughs> there's, 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 there's been, uh, there's like four of them out there. Out there. <laughs> which one? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Um, there's definitely a lot of running back options. That's why there's multiple different articles out there with it. Um, I think there's currently four up and there's a fifth one that's coming. That's going to be published, I think tonight. Um, so, so there's a lot, there's a lot of running backs out there. I think that this running back class, it's not great because 
at the top top of it, you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot of options there. You have Bajan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, and then I think there's a I think there's a drop off between the two of them. Then there's another drop off with Shaq Sharp for before Zach Charbonnet. Then there's another drop off before you get to about a three or four guys and another drop off. So it's just kind of like there's more depth to it, but it's lacking at the top. Um, so with the depth of it, there's plenty of options for it, and then that leads to this question from Paul of would you double dip at the running at running back to the depth of this class? If Denver didn't have five picks, yes, I would double dip at two positions this year. I would double dip at running back, especially with Javante Williams status so up in the air. There's speculation that he can miss all season. Um, I know the Broncos are trying to be a little optimistic and saying he'll be ready for the season, but that just seems so doubtful. And tight end as well. Tight end is such a strong class. It, we won't see it this strong for quite a while, for a few years, and it hasn't been this strong for quite a few years. Those are two positions that I would definitely look at double dipping. Edge and cornerback would depend on the need for me for Broncos. Um, edge, I would I would consider it cornerback not so much unless you find that one nickel guy. And there's not a lot of nickel options for this class. So I would definitely look at double dipping here. And then um, Phil McLaughlin said, I was reading we had a virtual visit with Cameron Young. Do you think he will be available? And does he fit? Um, going over to this and not trying to do anything. Okay, so I had Cameron Young initially on my list to talk about because I did see something about him with the Broncos. I didn't see what it was if it was he was coming in, um, if he was coming in or not. But Cameron Young, he's a 305, 310 pound nose tackle. He's a little undersized. Um, he doesn't offer a whole lot as a pass rusher. I like him, but he would be very much a developmental piece. And I think the Broncos, they need to find a starter to replace Deshaun Williams. And then real quick to defend what I had said about for to Buckham hard, double dipping at running back is not necessary because of Perrine. Perrine has been a backup for his whole career. Um, we don't know how he will do in a full-time role. Not only that, there is nobody else in the running back room. Um, Tony Jones, we don't know what he is, what he is and all, including him all the other running backs have had a total of like 100 touches mm-hmm. so double dipping at running back it's not because you're looking for a starter you have perine to start if until javante williams is healthy it's for added competition amongst the depth and trying to find that number two guy while javante williams is out and adding competition for that and finding somebody for that number three spot because you got to have two and also with the broncos running back room it's built on power they don't have any speed in the room at the moment this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The one thing I'm going to push back on you is you know exactly what Tony Jones is. He's a special teams player. He's he's yeah. a depth special teams player. He's not versatile out of the backfield for, from what I remember watching him at Notre Dame a few years ago. He's not a bursty runner. He's just kind of a, if you need three, I'll get you three. If you need seven, I'll get you three kind of running back. Like he, there's no elusiveness. There's, there's really not a whole lot of a skill set there. And he's a guy that you want to just have him run down the field and crack domes. Like that is yeah. literally what he is as a player. And Buckham, one of the things I said is with the Broncos only having five round picks, I wouldn't do it. If they had more, I would do it. I yeah. don't expect them to. I 
I expect them to draft one running back. I'd expect them to add a couple more, at least one more as an undrafted free agent. My what I was saying was if they had more picks, this would be a good year to do it mm -hmm. because of the depth of the class. And Latavius Murray, like they can bring him back. That's fine. But it is just another guy who just only brings power to the running room. They need more than that. And Sean Payton has always had more than just power from his running back room. Yeah. Receiving versatility is a big thing. And there's a guy that I like in uh, probably the fourth or fifth round. Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia is a, a guy that I really like. His versatility out of as a receiver out of the backfield, especially running on wheel routes, uh, angle routes, seam routes, uh, sail routes, anything you want to do with him out of the backfield as a, as a pass catcher, yeah. he's got it. And he has some long speed too. Like he can take the top off of a defense. He can take the ball to the house pretty much from anywhere on the field. So that's a guy that I really like. We're going to jump back into the, um, into the running back conversation here in just a minute because i know eric has a great fit if, if that we want to talk about uh last one on the cornerback side Ketrell clark you have it listed as a good fit i like this player a lot um he's got good fluidity very good physicality he's a decent tackler in, in the running game um turns and runs really well inside outside versatility eric why is Ketrell such a good fit for this broncos defense and while you're at it you've got a bad fit miles brooks out of louisiana tech so Miles Brook, real quick, just to get him out of the way. He's got he's gonna take multiple years of development. He's gonna take at least two years of development. Um, he fits the scheme fine, but the other factors of it, he's not the archetype they really need because he lacks versatility with um with it with the scheme and everything. Um, so if Vance Joseph is just running a man scheme, well, he that's that that brought that's a a a bad fit there. And then um with Keetro Clark. The dude's physical. He plays bigger than he is. He mm -hmm. can work in the nickel. And I think that's a that's not talked about enough, how the Broncos need to upgrade their depth at nickel. Um, yes. I'm not trusting a song Bassey at all um, to do much on the field. To, to like Quan Williams I mean, last year, I mean, he was such a huge piece for the secondary. And when he went down, it was noticeable. Um, so I he fits this, he fits the scheme. I think he can make him work in either man or zone. Um, and he fits with the need. He kind of, he, he, the issue with him, with the archetype he is, is he is a slot only corner. Mm -hmm. So it is a guy of, you're only playing him in the slot. You're, you're not going to play him on the boundary. You're not going to play Quan Williams on the boundary. So it just makes it a little bit difficult with roster math and everything when it comes down to it. If dealing with an injury on the outside, hopefully that doesn't happen. What are you doing to replace Mathis or Sertan? it's a little bit easier if you can find a guy that has that versatility to play inside or out. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I believe Keitrell Clark also has some special teams versatility as a punt returner. I think that's – I remember that. Watching um, – he had a, a punt return to the right. house when he was – yeah, when, when he was a, was a freshman – because he transferred to Louisville, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I I have to go back and, and double check my notes on that. Regardless, there's a scouting report on Keitrell Clark already up at MileHighHuddle.com. That's one of the ones that I did. Go check that out. I, I believe it was Keitrell Clark and uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, the kid from TCU, yep. that I, I did with those guys. So make sure you guys go and check that out as well. MileHighHuddle.com uh, up on the top of the screen. There's going to be a draft. Click down. Uh, drop down menu, click on that. You can go see all of our articles. Again, Eric says we have what 215, I believe is what you said already published. We have, 200, we have 215, we have 215 reports up on probably about 40 different articles. 
Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of content over there uh, that way, guys. Make sure you go and check out anything you want. You're going to find a whole lot of high-quality information there. Eric, um, let's move past cornerback here. Do you want to go into your offensive line, or do we want to jump back into the running back comp conversation? It's up to you. I'm letting you run the show. Okay, well, let's go to the interior offensive lines because the, the the guys that you brought to me, I'm familiar with one of them, and that's Jarrett <laughs> Patterson out of Notre Dame. Um, late round guy, lacks power, center guard versatility, probably going to be a center at the at the NFL level. He's a center. Um, yeah, so like, I, I'm I'm okay with him. The the lack of power in his game. Let, let's break down the scheme really fast. What Sean Payton wants to do is a lot of power stuff. He's like looking for gap schemes. We're trying to move the, the offensive line forward. We're not moving side to side for the most part. He does sprinkle in a lot of inside zone stuff. So you will see the center move forward, pick off a linebacker, pick to the, pick to dictate a side. They'll run some split zone stuff as well. But for the most part, you're looking power scheme. You want guys that are out there kicking ass, taking names, knocking schools, and just moving the trenches forward. The other three guys you have here, I have not seen or heard these names yet. You've got Mark Evans II from Arkansas Pine Bluff, as you have as a good fit. You've got Jake Andrews out of Troy, who's a good fit. And the one that I'm really curious on is a guy you shouted out before we went live, Chandler Zavala from North Carolina State, who you have listed as a great fit. What makes these guys fit with the Broncos? So Chandler Zavala, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Bringing power to the uh, to the offensive line, that's what the Broncos are doing. Mike McGlinchey, everybody thinks that he's an outside zone guy um, after playing in San Francisco, and he can do well with Del went do well in it. He's more scheme versatile. He but he brings good power to the running game as well. Ben Powers, dude, is a power guy. He is a gap inside zone specialist. And Sean Payton, the reason is he's going to he wants to wear down defenses and then turn to his speed guy probably in an inside zone or an outside zone concept every now and then to try to take advantage of it. Well, Chandler Zavala, I mean, if you want to talk about physicality, the dude brings it in spades. Um, but what's good with that is there's enough movement skills for him to work when you do have him pull on an outside zone scheme, when you have him pulling on, on a trap or um, something on the inside zone, like he just brings the versatility for it. He fits with the need because he he's not going to be ready to start this year. I don't think, I do think if you are in a desperate situation and you just want to throw him to the wolves a little bit, then yeah, I mean, you can sit there and have him start as a rookie, but do you want to deal with the, you'll have to deal with the growing pains. Broncos need depth right now. And well, Chandler Zavala, he's going to, he's a good depth option um, for them. So he fits with the scheme. He fits with the archetype. He fits with the personnel they have. Jake Andrews. He's a guy who the reason why he's only a good fit, and not a great fit. I question how much he brings to start as a center right away because there are issues with him snapping the ball. It's not clean. It's not consistent. He had issues at the senior bowl. He had issues all throughout tape. To me, he was a little bit better at guard when I watched him in college than he was at center. So he fits the scheme. I mean, he's a power guy. He's got a good football IQ. So he fits those, but it's just that with what you're looking for, he can be a solid depth option. So I guess in a way he could be great, but ideally like with him, with what he is, Ideally, you are finding a center there, um, and you just got to clean up the snapping ability before that. So that hurts the fit there a little bit. Um, Mark Evans, he's another guy. He's kind of similar to Chandler Zavala. Um, he just needs a little bit more development. I think he's not. He's a guy that you don't want to see the field as a rookie unless absolutely necessary due to injuries. And I think that he fits in well because, for me, this is something that I said before, and. Um, 
and uh, when last time I said it, I said I was going to get me some hate. Quid Miner still has a lot of growing to do for me, and I think that this is a, this is a make or break year for him to where he needs to step up and be more consistent. That's the big issue. He's got tremendous flashes, but he just likes consistency. Mark Evans, he needs a year to grow and develop, and if you're not getting that growth from Quinn Miners that you need to see, well, then maybe you can look at moving Quinn Miners to center, or you can sit there and work with Mark Evans and work on moving him over to center because he has that versatility, as does Jake Andrews. So it's kind of the same thing. He brings good scheme versatility with it. He fits with what they want to do specifically, but it's just where he fits in with the group is a little bit rough. And the last one, Jarrett Patterson. Um, what is he like? He, I don't think he he's going to be a center, but I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's ideal for him either. Um, he's got some serious awareness issues with him. Um, and what schemes best for him? He doesn't have enough power, but his movement skills aren't great either. Mm-hmm. So it's just, what do you do with him? Um, he's definitely not a guard. He's probably he's going to get drafted. Um, I'll say that he comes from a prestigious school, Notre Dame with a prestigious offensive line coach and a track history of offensive linemen, that's enough that he's going to get drafted. And his technique isn't terrible. He's got solid, not great technique. It's just, what are you going to do with him? So it's a tough offensive line class. There's not a lot of outstanding prospects in it. Um, and it's just a matter of trying to find some hidden gems. Yeah. I'm so glad that you went into versatility because that was the the one big question I was going to ask you. And it, it sounds like uh, with the, uh, Sorry, with with Mark Evans and Jake Andrews, I wanted to get their names right. Uh, with, with Jake Andrews, you have that inside-outside versatility in terms of playing the center, playing the guard position. With Mark Evans, it sounds like you have that. Just a lot more experience is needed from both of those oh, guys. Sorry. Just some development and stuff like that. Um, the 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 big thing that I I like that's a big thing for me, especially on the interior of the offensive line, offensive line in general, and also in the secondary how many more hats can you wear? What kind of roles can you actually play in? Whether it's position versatility or scheme versatility. And with uh, with Mark Evans, I'm very intrigued by this player. Small school guy at Arkansas Pine Bluffs. How did he look? This is another big question I had for you. You're talking about a small school guy. When you're a small school guy, you have to go out there and dominate the players that are around you. You have to be the man amongst boys. You have to be the one that everyone's like, that's the guy. We're looking at this guy. So is that the player that you're getting in Mark Evans is a guy that played above his weight class, played above his his competition level, and really shined on tape? So if you give me just a second, I will pull up something. Because one thing, and I just got done doing his scouting report. So he mostly wanted part of also too. He played left tackle in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to be kicking inside a little bit. But the thing is, is playing at um, Arkansas Pine Bluff, he didn't play the toughest of competition, obviously. But there were a couple games over the seasons that he did face a, a, face some tougher competition. He had a game against Oklahoma State um, that he did quite well in this year. And then last year in 2021, he played Arkansas where he did all right. It wasn't the best. But for well, the conference he was in, when he faced that lesser competition, he was dominant. Mm-hmm. And But the thing is, is he came in and he was able to jump in. And I'm trying to remember for sure. Um, I think it was the Shrine game, I think, is he what he got pulled up to. Um, may have been called up to the Senior Bowl, too. I can't remember for sure. And he dominated there. It didn't matter who he was going against. Um, he just absolutely dominated at that. Um, he showed growth in certain areas that was obviously from the preparation for going to the All-Star game. 
So he's shown that he's coachable. He's shown versatility. He stepped up when it came against some tougher competition guys in college, but really showed it when it mattered the most at the Shrine Week. Mm -hmm. I think it was the Shrine Week, if I'm not mistaken, where he where he went up. I, I remember you it was the Shrine Week. I just can't remember. I just can't remember if he got called up to the Senior Bowl as well. I I don't think that he did. Uh, Buckham Hard jumping in here. Last one on the interior offensive line. This is a good question. Comes in and says, "How are you not able to snap a ball?" has to come from lack of, lack of reps, right? First things first, yes, absolutely. Snapping a football, it, like the quality of snapping a football, and we're not talking about snapping to under center for the most part, talking about snapping and shotgun. Accuracy of shotgun snaps is a, is a big thing. Making sure it's 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 timed right, making sure it's accurate, easily catchable for the quarterback, like that. that's a big thing. Where I also look when I'm watching centers is, after you snap the ball, what does your hand placement look like? Where are your hands going in terms of understanding leverage, getting your hands back up into the chest plate, understanding your angles and, and just punching with ferocity, having that physical violence that you need to have because you're already doing one thing with one hand, getting another hand up, and now you have to get that other hand back up from between your legs to get yourself into a, a viable position as a blocker. That's a big thing that you have to learn. That's something that we saw with Quinn Miners going back to his time at the Senior Bowl. He showed that ability to snap the football and get his hands back into a place where he could succeed as a blocker. That, to me, is a big thing you have to learn. And it's you're never going to actually just know how to do it. You have to learn that. You have to practice that. There's a lot of reps that come with that. Well, and it's not it's not easy. Like, not just with what you said. You have to do all that while processing a bunch of mm -hmm. information at the same time and mm -hmm. keeping an open line of communication as you're processing a lot of stuff before you even have to snap the ball. And then on top of that, snapping to every single quarterback is different. Mm -hmm. They prefer the delivery of the snap every single one. Like some of them might be the same, but they prefer it differently. And I remember there was an interview at the Pro Bowl one year where there was Peyton Manning, there was Tom Brady, Brett Favre was still in the league and he was there. Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, and I can't remember who the other ones were, but they were talking about that because one of the centers was talking was um, was there as well, and he brought he actually the center actually brought it up. He's like snapping to each one of them is such a pain because they all want the delivery a little bit differently, and not out of shotgun. That's under center. Some of them like it at mm -hmm. a little bit more angle. Some of them like it straight. Straight. Some of them like it more angled to their non-dominant hand, their left hand, than their dominant hand. Some like it tilted down a little bit. Like they just so much variation. So you have to cater to that, which is a slight change of how of your own personal technique, which can create issues when it comes to snapping the ball and having that clean handoff, processing the information while you're doing that of like, okay, the linebacker over there, he's coming on. So I got to sit there and quickly check my guy to my left, the defensive lineman and move off. I, Facebook user came and says, I believe it was Jeff, Jeff Saturday. I think it was Jeff Saturday. Um, it was, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But anyways, right. you gotta check. The, you gotta check your defensive lineman, and then you gotta quickly make sure your guard has it, and then pick up the linebacker while also making sure the guard on the other side is not giving up the inside lane. Like there's just so much to playing center that always goes unspoken. Um, and also snapping the snapping a football, it's just not a natural thing. Like mm -hmm. this is something that I know Jeff Saturday talked about. It's not natural to do that. Like it just feels weird um to do um so that also plays a part into it it's something that you can do you can develop but um yeah it's just I, it takes time and it takes reps yeah 
time time feel understanding the position understanding um the, the technique to it and just overall development is a big thing um let's move along here and let's go to uh, another position on the offensive side of the football because i this has been a hot topic and eric and i have really kind of avoided the the conversation for the most part in terms of the wide receiver position for the denver broncos obviously the trade rumors with Cortland sutton were a big thing with jerry judy there there's still rumors floating around that there could potentially be a deal for the broncos in the draft the broncos looking for extra draft capital regardless you have an injury to Tim Patrick. He's coming off of a torn ACL, and he's been pretty vocal here lately, getting out on some out on some podcasts and kind of throwing out some some newsworthy quotes. We'll leave that for another uh, conversation. Um, but KJ Hamler also is coming back from a torn ACL, multiple hamstring injuries. Now he has a torn pectoral muscle that he suffered in training camp. The Broncos need reliability. They need people that are actually going to be able to come onto the field and show. That, that they can be accountable, that, that they, they can be reliable out there, that reliable pass catchers that are available is a big thing. They also need to add speed, big time speed, vertical speed, a guy that can go and take the top off of the defense. Um, if it has a, a good catch radius and, and physical ball skills, that's a plus. And there's a guy, Eric, and you have him listed as a great fit. I like this guy. A serious blend of height, weight, speed, 6'3", 215, I think is what he was at the Combine. Ran a 4'3", 8'40", at the Combine. Coming out of Western Virginia, uh, West Virginia University, Bryce Ford Wheaton. This dude is really fun, man. Why is he such a good fit for the Broncos? So I want to say wide receiver was probably the hardest position for me because mm-hmm. there are a lot of receivers that can be – good or great fits for the Broncos and it was a position that I really want to try to cover you know a little bit of everything because there's so many different archetypes there's so many different um aspects that you got to look for on receiver especially for the Broncos this year they need somebody who can bring that deep speed that explosive playmaking ability because KJ Hamler's injured and he hasn't been able to stay on the field they could be looking for a big body more possession type receiver because of rumors about moving on from Cortland Sutton and then the co- contract status of Tim Patrick as well. Now he'll be here next and re- him recovering from an injury. The question with him is what's going to happen with him next year? As Sean Payton reportedly and rumored or rumoredly ha- wants to just completely revamp the room, basically. Then there's the trade rumors with Jerry Judy that could be looking for, um, you know, your flanking receiver, the guy who's you, you want to be a good route runner. So there's so many different ways or archetypes that you can look for 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 the Broncos, depending on what they do. Now, Bryce Ford Wheaton. This is a guy, he's got great height. He's a height, weight, speed guy that you can develop more than being just a deep ball guy. Um, he can, I mean, he's a guy that you can use on, on for a yard at the catch, you know, wide receiver screen designs, basically getting on the ball in space as you develop his route running a little bit, which is where the big weakness is. So I think he's a great fit for what the Broncos are looking for in that aspect of that explosive playmaking ability with the room to grow more. You can contribute right away with the explosive playmaking ability while developing everything else. Mm-hmm. The other receivers I have, Michael Wilson, I have as good fit coming out of Stanford. Well, if you want a big body receiver to replace Cortland Sutton, if you move on from him, that's Michael that's Wilson. Mm-hmm. But he's only a good fit because he's not overly explosive of a guy. He doesn't bring that aspect to it. And he only really makes sense if you do trade Cortland Sutton. Yep. I mean, he can improve the depth a little bit. And if you want to take him and kind of stash him and use him as a depth piece this year, depth piece this year, and then move on from Cortland Sutton next year, 
fine. Like it's still a good fit though, because five picks, you want to try to find guys who can be more of a contributor this year. Rise for right. with that explosive playmaking ability. That's him. Then real quick, the bad fit, Charlie Jones out of Purdue. I'm a big fan of him, but he's a slot guy. Who's not overly athletic, not a big explosive guy. You can use him as kind of a route runner, get open, you know, that reliable safety net kind of guy that's going to find the soft spot in zone. But you kind of got to work your offense around what he does and work out of it because there is just a more limitation to it. And then Joseph Nada out of Clemson. This is a guy who he's only the, uh, he's only to me an above the rim guy. His route running is just a complete mess. Um, he does well to position with body control, body positioning when attacking the catch point. Um, at the high point, um, back shoulder fades, you know, he's that jump ball guy. But mm-hmm. to me, that's just all he is. And those guys are not only can be easier to find, um, it's just a thing of you want more versatility with what you want out of your receivers. You can use specialists at the receiver position, but, you know, those jump ball guys, especially with the way the NFL is changing, that's not the specialist you want. Right. Um, I don't disagree with you. I want to come back to Michael Wilson really fast. And like you said, perfect fit and replacement for Cortland Sutton, big body possession receiver, not a guy that's going to go like take the top off of the field. He doesn't have that at least the elite explosiveness that you, that you want to see, but dude has a lot of injury concerns too. Like he, he yeah. could fall. Like I, I think that he could fall into the, into the fourth round area. And if you're looking to bolster the depth, I'm, I'm okay with that, but I think he has two torn ACLs and a hamstring injury, it, like all lower body stuff that he's been working through. He's a fifth year player at Stanford as well. So he's a little bit older as well. Yeah. Um, um, real quick. I want to grab this comment here. Well, group of comments. Mike S talking about what the Panthers have talking about Evero Horn was picked after Sertan in the draft. I think no Dylan Von since right before actually. And then Mike S thought the Cowboys wanted Sertan or him, but wound up with someone else. So mm-hmm. Horn was the eighth pick of it just before the Broncos selected Patrick, Patrick Sertan. And the Cowboys actually thought they were going to get Patrick Sertan. Then, mm-hmm. but they didn't expect the Broncos to pick him. And the Broncos didn't expect Patrick Sertan there because they thought the Panthers were going to take him. Um, so it didn't fall out that way. It fell out well for the Broncos. And uh the Cowboys ended up with Parsons, and it worked out well for them as well. They've really found a place for him as a downhill linebacker that plays a lot of edge, mm-hmm. which no, it's no surprise for anybody who listened to the show, as every <laughs> single one of us talked about how there's not much there with pers- with Parsons to work in coverage. No, it, it was he was never a coverage linebacker. He was always flowing to the flats, uh, Devin White style. We'll put it that way. Um, quickly, Eric. Um, so Sertan was available at nine. They they, they thought the, the Panthers were going to take him at eight. They were in on Fields. They were also in on uh, they were also in on Parsons. They were also in on Rashawn Slater, correct? And that was why Slater. they weren't in on Parsons. Later. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Last one here, guys. Uh, we got about five minutes, Eric. There's a question I want to grab here as well at the end, but I want to jump into the linebacker conversation because I don't think that, the, that we've talked about this nearly enough. Obviously, the Broncos have Josie Jewell back last year on his deal. Um, they just signed Alex Singleton to a three-year extension. I really like that move, especially with the value you get for him, but they still got to add depth, man. Like Jonas Griffith has injury concerns. He's still struggling to come along. After that, it's a whole lot of nobody back there. I mean – 
Aaron Patrick as an edge playing off ball. Like, I don't even remember who is available for this team. You've got a handful Aaron of linebackers. An edge. Yeah, I know. And, and, and like I'm saying, like, it's like, are you going to move him back off ball or something like that? I, I doubt. No, that. he's never been off ball. He's been an edge. Right. Right. So with, with your, with the list you gave me here, there's a couple of guys that I really like as coverage linebackers and Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati and Dorian Williams from Tulane. You have both of those guys as bad and ugly fits. And I'm, curious as to why <laughs> so remember how i just talked about micah parsons and how there's uh-huh. nothing there in coverage there's nothing there in coverage with either of those two ivan pace is so small but he's a guy that he works downhill there's solid mm-hmm. set lateral range there but vertically there's not much there like he's a guy that you got to have him be on the attack you got to have him working downhill working towards the ball either as a blitzer or as a run defender He's a guy that if he was bigger, because he's only like 5'10", doesn't have very short arms mm-hmm. or very mm-hmm. long arms, if he was bigger and longer, he would be an edge. He was put at linebacker because he's undersized. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm the, and for the Broncos, the reason why these guys are there is Vance Joseph, he loves athletic linebackers. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them is a great athlete overall. And you got to bring coverage ability to it. I mean, Jewel and Singleton are fine there because their instincts and everything, but you need somebody who brings a little bit more athleticism as well as the instincts and the awareness to it. That's not those guys. That's not Dorian Williams. That's not Ivan Pace. I think Ivan Pace, you have, you can develop a little bit the instincts and the awareness and coverage a little bit more than Dorian Williams. Mm -hmm. The other linebackers that I have, Charlie Thomas out of Georgia Tech, he's more of a box safety in the NFL. He weighed in at 216 pounds. But if you want a coverage guy who's a good athlete, Charlie Thomas. Um, you just got to keep him clean against the run, which that is a concern. He can pair it well with what the Broncos have, who can do well to take on blocks, especially if they can add somebody else on their defensive line or if they go bigger on the defensive line. If they go with DJ Jones, Mike Purcell, and Zach Allen and have a strong run defense front, right? Then somebody who can flow through the trash or sort through the trash and flow with the play like Charlie Thomas could be a little bit of a better a better fit. And I would say that if that was guaranteed for the Broncos, I would probably put him as a good fit for them. But right. because of that concern against the run, he keeps bad. And then Servocia Dennis, I mean, the dude tested out extremely well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I heard when I was listening to a podcast was talking about a change in how the NFL teams are evaluating linebackers. And it's one of them is that, I mean, it's not just on skill set, but it's green dot ability. And one of the things that was said about Dennis is that there is no linebacker in this class with That's more smarter. green dot with more green dot ability than Dennis. The dude's extremely brilliant. He's just excellent communicator. He gets guys into position. And that's been something that's I've heard praised about before, but the green dot aspect of it was a new, it was a new way to put it. Um, so, so he's a guy that he can do well in coverage. He does well against the run. Um, it's just that my concern is, is he significant? Is he a, What's the right way to put this as to why I didn't put him as a great one? Um, there are times his athleticism doesn't show up in coverage. I guess yes. that's the best way to put it. Um, yes. And so that just kind of notched, um, knocked him down a peg for me. 
So with with what Vance Joseph likes to do with his linebackers, he likes to have them flow and scrape and slash. Like they have to be able to slash. You're looking at two gappers up front in the at the one technique and a three technique and a five technique set five and nine technique that are holding the edge, a backside seven technique that's holding the edge, and you need your linebackers to be able to scrape and flow and attack the ball, especially in the running game, and also place themselves in proper positions. They have to read and diagnose very well. And Sarvashia Dennis is a dude that does that eric i'm 100 with you i was not like when when we saw the testing numbers for savasha dennis i was very surprised i did not see the athlete that he tested as at uh, uh at his pro day he blew up his pro day the other day it was amazing you just don't see it on tape so i'm, I'm yeah. questioning if it's a not necessarily a recognition but a a, a decision making like he's a little bit slower to trigger he gets himself in the right spot he does a really good job of understanding where he needs to be and he's always in position to make the plays it just seems like he's either quick to uh, he's either late to trigger or he doesn't have that explosiveness in this first step to crash downhill i'm a hundred percent with you i think that he's a good fit for the broncos but if you can get him a little bit quicker with this first step that's a guy the sixth round fifth or sixth round somewhere around in that particular area I'm all over him. Like that's that's a guy I'm very intrigued by. Yeah, before we get out of here cuz we're running a little bit long, we have to get out of here about within the next few minutes. Um last thing on him is there were times you can see his athleticism on tape, so you know that it was there. Mm-hmm. I was surprised he did test a little bit better than it was than expected for me. Um but it's just the consistency of it. If you're a linebacker, you got to use that athleticism consistently, especially mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. And the bigger, the biggest issue for me was the recovery athleticism. That's where it faltered the most and where it was the most inconsistent. Because when you bite on a play action fake and you pull up and you leave that big old space behind you underneath the safeties, how quickly can you open up smoothly and get back mm-hmm. there and erase that window? Yeah. Um, his athleticism, his athletic testing suggests he can should be able to do it quite well, but it's just now a matter of translating that that we saw onto tape which we didn't see in college yeah you're absolutely correct michael ronquillo jumping in here at last minute great show tonight lance and eric on the dev valley deep divers go broncos and buckham thank you michael uh thank you all for joining us uh if we didn't get any stars on facebook i do apologize for that like i said we don't have scott um tonight so if we missed you guys we apologize no one leave you out in the cold uh last quick question here and i want to find it I, th- I thought this was a good one, and maybe we can move this conversation to a another another time. But Juan Gonzalez coming in here, and I want to say hello to Juan because uh, a new name. He says, hello, Eric, Lance, and Scott. What is your dream scenario, top five players that you like when we pick? And let's just go with the 67 overall, just the, the top five players that you want the Broncos to have, Eric. Go ahead and start. Oh, the top five players? Um, do I have to be realistic? Yes. It says, it says dream scenario, though. Well, I mean, uh, if Jalen Carter falls to thir- to sixty seven. I mean, obviously, I'm sprinting there. I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. Um, Julius Prince, mm-hmm. um, John Michael Schmitz, mm-hmm. just being a center, maybe. Um, Zach Harrison, I would absolutely mm-hmm. love Zach Harrison there, and I think he's a guy that realistically could be there. Um, Diane Henley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I I really don't know on that last one. 
Um, maybe Zach Charbonnet. I, I would really like. Ooh. I, I really like Zach Charbonnet's game. Ooh, okay. Um, so I'm going to trace three of them that you had. Um, Julius Brents, John Michael Schmitz, uh, Zach Harrison. I'm going to go with Kalijah Cansey. Um, I, I, yeah. I like the three tech ability. I think he can play some seven as well. Um, and then uh, Ty J Spears, the running back from Tulane. Those are those are like my 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 top guys. Uh, quick shout out also. No concern about the newest Spears. Huh? No concern with the knee about Spears. Knee? What knee? His I knee mean, injury it, that he had a couple years ago. Oh no! I, it, a couple of years ago, no. Not I. I thought I, I thought you were talking about he had, had another knee injury. Uh, what I saw from him last season, uh, especially against Oklahoma, was just incredible. So uh, no, no, no concerns with him. Um, I, I very, very big fan of his. Uh, also, shout out Sidney Brown from Illinois, uh, a, a safety. Uh, and I think that him and Justin Simmons working together with the the intelligence and the uh, football IQ that they have. Also, the range and versatility that they both had to play in the nickel, play deep in, in the single in the, the single high. Those two working together, mwah, chef's kiss. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you all for joining us on the Dell Valley Deep Divers podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter, please, by finding me uh, at Sanderson. Or, but no, not Sanderson MHH anymore because that, that one got – God discontinued uh, at Lance S underscore MHH and for Eric at Eric trickle. Also guys at mile high huddle, please go over there. Every one of our scouting report articles is going to be posted on Twitter at mile high huddle. Also mile high huddle.com. Great way to stay in touch with the Broncos, whether it's YouTube uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, uh, scouting reports, breaking news, regardless, anything mile high huddle at mile high huddle, you'll be able to find it there. Uh, MHHmerch.com guys go over and, and get something get something to suit your fancy to help support us. It's a great way to support uh, what we do here at mile high huddle. Um, and guys, if you're not financially able to do so, there are three things you are all able to do no matter what across all platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, subscribe, please to mile high huddle, like every video you guys see. And if you love it, please share it, get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible, because without your support, like I said earlier in the show, show we couldn't do what we do best eric couldn't have his full-time job covering the denver broncos we really appreciate and love every single one of you guys and thank you all for all of your support now with that eric we got to get out of here a couple minutes left any last words dude yeah i hope that those of you who celebrate the easter holiday that you guys have a wonderful easter stay yeah. safe yeah absolutely uh happy easter to everybody out there um stay safe and take care yeah but yeah Yes. Happy <laughs> Easter, everybody who celebrates out there. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. We will see you guys same time, same place. Special guest next week. Please be here next Friday. Uh, we'll see you guys later. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.